You're listening to Fucks Given, the one with King Noir. So we're back. We're back, curious fuckers. Did you miss us? Although you probably didn't because we gave you like loads of great episodes to listen to in the meantime. Oh, yeah. I have a pretty big incident update okay which is like it's hard because it's not a very like happy one but it's one that i feel like needs to be said so jacob i can call him jacob he's okay with me calling him his name which is really nice um jacob and i went out at the weekend and on the way home we ran into a really horrible matter um and I really wanted to bring it up with you guys and speak about it because even though it's it's difficult to hear, I think it's still really important to talk about and hear where both Jacob and I were on the tube on the way home and we noticed some weird behavior from this guy. Um, there was a girl sitting opposite us who was clearly asleep, like very asleep. She she'd either been drinking or she was just really tired. It was really late in the morning. It must have been like four or five a.m. And we noticed weird behaviour from him going down the carriage, and then he sat next to her, which already is like warning flags. Both Jacob and I were like, "High alert! What is going on?" Um, Jacob noticed that he touched her leg like really inconspicuously and I noticed when they got off the train that he got off behind her and walked really really close and both Jacob and I looked at each other and we were like we're getting off the fucking train and ended up going straight up to this lovely lovely girl and just being like hey is it okay if we walk you out the station um and she was like oh yeah that that's that's okay it must have been really weird as well two random strangers coming up to you and just being like hey we're going to walk you out the station, but I think she clocked that there was this weird guy around and yeah, yeah, ended up walking her out the station. This also, this guy was like hanging around us as well. And I don't know how I would have reacted if it was just me on my own. It's a very different story when you have uh, a bloke there with you, but we ended up reporting the incident, getting the police involved and weirdly this guy was hanging around the station waiting for this girl to come out he'd also stolen her glasses which was really weird and we were just we ended up staying with her pretty much through the whole thing the police took statements from us and also from the girl and asked her if he would like to be arrested because the police actually ended up catching him and questioning him and so yeah we were just with her through the whole experience and chatting to her and 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 it was it yeah it was pretty difficult for her. It was pretty traumatic, especially that time in the morning as well. And I just wanted to say, if you ever see unusual behavior, don't sit back and do nothing. Of course, gauge the situation, see how safe you feel and how comfortable you feel. But I'm, we're both really glad that we got off the train and made sure that she yeah. was safe. And now we're waiting to actually potentially go to court and like get this guy either like, I don't, I don't know what they do with them, throw him in prison. The whole thing yeah, was like, like really did crazy. He, I guess it depends whether he's had felonies before. Yes, or this is like, what I was thinking. Because mm. it was like, basically, it's hard to say what his intentions were. Yeah. And we can speculate and say like, well, obviously it's, it was going to be bad. Like it was going to be yeah. bad. The fact that he was targeting a vulnerable girl who was clearly asleep on the tube and also the weird behavior and the touching of the leg, that's already assault. That is already sexual assault. True. And he and he also stole her possessions. Yes, yes. She so did drop he, her Oyster card and he picked that up. But like, 
the glasses went missing and the police ended up getting that back off for her. So yeah, we're we're going to go to court with her and hopefully get this sorted. But again, I can't can't say how different it would have been if I was there on my own. I might not have even noticed, but if you notice unsavory behavior, always go up to the person and just say like, "Hey, is it okay if I chat to you for a bit? Can I walk you to a cab? Can I get you home? Are you okay? Um, can I talk to you while this weird person is hanging around? Is that okay? I think a lot of people don't because of fear or like getting involved or it feeling awkward. Yeah. Like you will never regret standing in the middle of something. Even if someone acts weird or shouts at you, you still will walk away knowing you've done the right thing. Yeah. Well done for doing that because yeah, that's terrifying. And the fact that this happens all like, the time regularly is just really terrifying. Yeah. We're going to um, actually meet, meet up with her for a coffee and check in with her Aww. we got her number as well and was checking That's in with so her because nice. it's just it's horrible like when anything scary or traumatic or something like that happens you go into shock and you don't know what to do with yourself you don't know who to talk to honestly she was she's so sweet so yeah meeting up for a coffee to check in with her and how she's doing at the weekend that's so good yeah we'll keep you guys updated I have a funny update. Yeah, though, that's good. That we, I think we need something light hard after that. <laughs> it turns out that I am the epitome of a fuckboy. <laughs> as Stop. said Stop. by... <laughs> but not in like a way towards people I'm dating. Like I'm a fuckboy to my friends. Oh, for Lawrence. This is like, this has happened to me twice now with the things that I suggest to people for activities to do, which are very like date-like kind of fuckboy things to say. There was someone that I was talking to on the, on the phone. I was like, whoa, why don't you come to LA? I'll drive you around in my car. We can like go around in the canyons. <laughs> oh my God, I'm dying. You do this to me as well. It's like, oh, I miss you. I just wish we could get bubble tea together. <laughs> And I'm there like, excuse me, connection? Is this my girlfriend speaking to me? Is this my overseas wife? It's like I I, I like to build a fantasy mm-hmm. of like what we could be doing together. And I want someone to be in that fantasy with me. No matter if they're like, I, I, I don't know if I even do this with people I'm dating. I think yeah. I just do it with my friends. <laughs> and... I accidentally took my friend on a date last night oh. because he came over for just like to be in the pool because it's really hot. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, let's go, you know, let's go- drive up to Stunt Road, one of my favorite places to watch the sunset <laughs> and get food. So we got some food, mm-hmm. drove up during sunset through the canyons and it was like very, like just so beautiful, mm-hmm. like great landscape and... We got up and we were just like sitting on my car, watching the sunset go down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like, I've never really, like, I've never taken anyone here before. Like, are you you saying this to them? Yeah. Like, that's a literal line. (laughs) Wow. That is so fuck boy. I've never taken anyone here before. (laughs) And they're just like, Florence. You do like everyone always calls me out as well. They're like, you do realize you are a fuckboy. Like you're oh. saying, you're saying the lines, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I'm saying it like really earnestly. Like I really earnestly want to share this experience <laughs> with people because I think it's amazing personally. Wow, do, is it is it is it all gendered friends that you do this with, not just male friends? Yeah, everyone. Because I I would do it with you, right? I would say I would tell you that 
I would take you around the canyons in my convertible. And you did. You did. You were like, let yeah. me drive you around. Like, let me take you to one of my favorite spots. Like, I'll take you on one of my favorite hikes. Be yeah. like, come on, why not die me before you fuck me, Florence? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I think I'm just quite is it just that I'm a very romantic person and that has been perceived mm. as or used in the past yeah. to manipulate people whereas like I do it in a way that's like I really love this experience personally and I want to share it with other people yeah but- is it is it not just a comment on where their head is at? Because what you're doing is just trying to share your experiences and and gain connection (laughs) with your friends, with whoever. Really, it's like, I'm just being me. And if you think this is date vibes, then that's on you. Yeah. But like, I guess the things that I'm doing are very generically like, like what a guy would say to try and pull a girl. Potentially, yeah. I could see that. But I also think like, you do you yeah you know? also this friend date last mm. night ended up v- like very romantic oh. and, like i don't think i've had a more romantic situation with someone before mm. like we watched the sunset in one of my favorite places <laughs> and then the stars started coming out and then we witnessed a rocket launch. No way, that is that is fucking cool. Yeah, that's and it was just so like, cool. we were just both looking at the sky and the stars and I was like, wow, look at that constellation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was like, look, that's the plow. The plow! <laughs> we have a very exciting guest coming on today's episode. Yes, cannot wait. This is going to be such a great conversation. This is King Noir who is a fetish expert, fetish professional, and porn maker with his partner. He's got so many things that he's doing. He's a writer, also a musician, MC, a global activist, a kink safety for people of colour, swinging, decolonization of sex and pornography, as well as advocating for sex positive parenting. Oh, cannot wait to get him on. A dream man. Yeah. Let's go. Hello, King Noir. Wow, hi. Peace, peace. Good morning. (laughs) Wow. You know what? You are one of those guests that comes on the podcast where I think there's so much we want to talk to you about that it's kind of hard to know where to start. Yes. Oh, let's talk about all of it now. (laughs) Well, you were just telling us that you were editing porn last night for the curious fuckers that don't know who you are please explain exactly what you do i am the co-owner of royal fetish films with my partner jet Mm -hmm. setting jasmine uh i'm an adult performer entertainer producer director i am also uh an artist musician and uh activist for trying to make sure that people get freedom justice and equality in the world yes wow yeah, that's an incredible, incredible feat. Because there's a lot of people doing porn, but not enough people fighting fighting the fight and waving the flag. So yeah, this that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you have a fuck story to share with us? I have so many fucking stories. Fuck <laughs> stories and fucking stories. Um, I don't know which one to go with. I read the, I read the question. I was just like, oh man. Yeah, where do you begin? Um, I think for me... I would say an inspiring fuck 
An inspiring fuck. That's a good fuck. I was with one of my exes and my ex, she was very much like, I want to share you with my friends. <laughs> like we had like some threesomes and some experiences where she would just like bring one of her friends and be like, I want you to fuck her. And I yes! think like that's wow. one of the things that for me <laughs> inspired me to do the work that I do. Cause I was kind of like, why, why do you want to do that? And she was like, yeah, you're good at it. And, you are, it's like a show off. Feel good. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like, Oh my God, this dick, this person is so amazing. I want everyone else to have a taste because one, you deserve this pleasure. You both do. But also, I want you to know how good I've got it. Like, it's like a <laughs> it's like a weird power balance of, like, you have to, f- like, fuck everyone. So it'd be like, yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I know he's mine, but, like, you got to try. It truly brought the, the hoe out of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like, I enjoy, I enjoy being shared. I enjoy, you know, I'm, I'm a true exhibitionist. So I think like that fuck right there was just kind of one of those catalysts that was like, you're going to wind up doing something in in the adult industry. I really wanted to ask you about um, the fact that you are a master fetish trainer. What does that encompass? So what we do is help people discover their fetishes and find safe, pleasurable, orgasmic ways to live their fetishes. Because a lot of times people, uh, they're embarrassed or they don't know how to share or they don't know how to talk about their fetish with their partners. And if they're single, how to find other people or how to kind of like introduce their fetishes to, to new partners and find kinky situations and things like that. Uh, also, once once those things are either, you know, discovered or we dive into them, it's kind of like I might be, let's just say impact play. I've been doing impact play for 20 plus years. If I have a new partner and they're like, I have never done, maybe I was like, I've been spanked, but I've never done any other toy or tool. Mm, yeah if i was just like hey let's tie you up to a saint andrew's cross and swing a bullwhip at you right that would be Mm -hmm. really (laughs) fucking extreme (laughs) (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you know how do we how do we find what we connect on because some people might be like hey that spanking is enough for me Mm-hmm. And then the other partner might be like, but I, I need all that other shit. Yeah. You know, like a lot of times I work with couples where the woman in the couple is like, I really, really want like extreme bondage and impact. Ugh. And men are like, I don't want to hit her. Yes. I'm I don't want to do yes. that. Yes. It's like, a, I mean, all your life you've been told as a man, do not hit a woman. And then you've got a woman being like, no, hit me. That must, it's like trying to piss without a toilet. It is so hard yeah. to release that muscle. I really enjoy that. And so many times in my past, I have asked my partners to do it. They do it once. Yeah. And they will never They're do like, it again because they like were it. just like, something must have like clicked in that moment. Or like, they were just like, I don't want to enjoy doing this but mm. it's it really sucks when it's something that really turns you on yeah i can 
I can hard relate to the 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 fetish and the shame part because I I have a tickle fetish and I don't like impact play, but like mm. hardcore torturous tickling to the point of like going past safe words, crying is like my bag. But trying to talk to somebody about that and be like, oh no, like tickling, it's not that innocent. It feels so innocent, but it's like, no, no, no. I, w- I want to be tortured. Like I need that to get off, please. Like that. And it's it's hard to try and convince someone who doesn't share that same mindset around fetish, around pleasure to push to that limit it's really hard so how can people of color and people outside of that stay safe when they are practicing fetish and bdsm and kink play for sure um so like for example with your impact i don't strike anybody with a closed fist Mm -hmm. i've been boxing since i was a kid so like that's my limit i had a sub who was like they were into punching wow so we had to find a, a a tool that would give them that same kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Wow! Without without crossing my boundary, yes, but yeah. still satisfying their interests. And I use that as an example because there are so many times. Like, let's say, do you like to get tickled or do you like to do the tickling? I prefer being tickled. I am extremely submissive. I enjoy to tickle, but like my dream mm-hmm. is to be tickled. Yeah. Okay, so like when you come into situations like that, like for example, like me, I don't I don't really respond to tickling. I'm not against it. And I and I and I'm cool with tickling people, but like if you were to tickle me, it is it's not like going to be satisfying for you cuz I'm yeah. like Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, well, you say that though, so, but I <laughs> prefer tickling doms. I don't like tickling submissives cuz I like okay. the element of them not wanting it. I like the CNC the consensual, non-consensual. Like, I want to torture you just as much as I want to be tortured. I can dig that. So, like, in those kind of situations, that's when negotiation is everything. You know, it's like, what is it? In, in, all, in all relationships, we always say communication is key. Well, communication, yes, but it has to yeah. be some communication with intent. Mm-hmm. So, if we're comfortable enough with somebody to say, this is what I want. This is what I want to experience, whether it be the impact play, the tickling, and this is what my desired result is. And trust me, believe me, that this is pleasurable for me. Mm -hmm. So then your your new partner or partner who's never done it before, sometimes we have to do, you know, different steps to get them comfortable. Because like when I've worked with people who don't do any strikes whatsoever, you know, because I usually give the example, I don't do close fist hitting because of my experience in boxing or, you know, same thing, been told not to hit people and all these things. So what are you comfortable with? OK, here's a very, very light flogger. Did did you break anything? Did you cause bleeding? Did you do any of the No. So they're OK. So now we can step up to something else. So like with tickling sometimes, sometimes with with people who are like, I don't really want to tickle you like it feels weird or whatever okay well how about with a feather yeah i'm really struggling with this by the way you're saying the t word and i'm like (laughs) having a moment (laughs) fucking hell even the word fetish turns me on what the fuck Mm. wow Mm -hmm. let's just say you're ticklish on on your foot or on the side oh yeah let's just say that yeah sure just (laughs) just tracing you tracing you with a feather is gonna have (laughs) 
have some kind of effect. Oh my god, so we could talk about something like, else, guys. I'm dying. I can't right, handle gotta... this. The shame. <laughs> but but and but that's part of it as well. Like we're gonna work through our shame mm-hmm, together mm-hmm. as a couple in a way that is comfortable for both of us. Mm-hmm. So instead of just starting off with the most extreme thing that we could possibly do, we take these steps and then that also builds trust. You know, we're going to have that yes. conversation about our safety like words. We're going to have the, all those kind of conversations that build up that trust between us. So then, I don't know, maybe tomorrow you have a new fetish that's even more considered. It's considered even more extreme. But you'll know my partner walked with me through all of these things. So I can mm-hmm. share. I and that. I know if they're yeah. not comfortable with it, they'll say, you know what? That's not my thing right there. OK, well, how can we experience together because sometimes with with couples like that they might say i'm not comfortable doing it but king we would like you to do the flogging and the and the impact play stuff Mm. and then when we're good and worked up i can either bow out i can watch i can join whatever you're into you know what i'm saying yeah oh my god dude florence florence what turns you on talk about that with florence (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my my fetish stuff is um I don't know I I guess I've have I struggled with talking about it with partners I guess I haven't really experienced like the lactation stuff that I that really turns me on with partners because I find it kind of embarrassing to talk about and even I get scared to vocalize the kind of role play aspect of it even though it does turn me on sometimes and it's fine if I have a partner who's really into it and I've had one play partner who has been that. But as soon as there's like other people involved, it's quite like, how do I just like, because I want someone to be sucking on my tits for like a really long time. But how do I vocalize that without it sounding kind of weird? Because I guess I'm like, oh, just do they want to do that? or? Mm. Uh, yeah all of those questions pop up in my mind i don't think it sounds weird at all and i know that there are definitely people who are into sucking on breasts for long periods of time out there you know what i'm saying it's like it's it's one of those things it's like where you where you have to like find your tribe you know and that's why i mean also i always tell people it's always a good idea to hire a professional Mm, yeah. With, with fetish things as well, because we're not here to judge. And also we are here as specialists in the field to then be able to like, if you're in a situation with, with a professional, you can be like, you can let go. And then True. you know that there's another person out there that you can let go with. So when you meet the next person and it is in a more personal scenario, you know what it's like to kind of be in control of the feeling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with the role play, you know, like I do role plays with clients where we're just having the conversation of how to get it out, of how to welcome someone in. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So I do think. When it comes to our partners, sometimes we forget like this person is here because they love us or this person is here because they want to get to know us and all those things. So it's like they are going to try some of the shit that we're into. And hopefully if it's some shit that they're not into, they can, you know, 
have on a they they grown up pants and be like, nah, that's not for me. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just going and doing the shit, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think with with role play, the thing with role play, and I'm I'm super into role play. So yes. the thing with role play is like you have to be committed to that role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't like be in and out of the True. role because then you in your own in your own fantasy and fetish can like completely lose the shit because like no you fucked it up just there right ah. so with somebody who you're who you're bringing into that particular role play you definitely have to instead of going for the full length feature you have to give them a few shorts first you know, That's and, and really give them some idea. different like scenarios yeah, like that instead of just taking them straight to the dungeon or straight to the set that you might have for your particular scenario. You can give them a couple of words, a couple of ideas that they can use, whether it be in your private space or if, if you're comfortable with having like, you know, those kind of flirtatious conversations out in the public where you're like, okay, you stuck to the script on this little part right here. So I know I can step you up to a bigger role in the future. Yes. I like that. Cause I, I feel like we, we can put a lot of pressure on role play that it has to be perfect, that you have to be in character all the time, but taking that advice and having short bursts or short scenes or something like a little taster to see if you're ready to do the bigger scene. So please tell us more about you decolonizing porn. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that's like one of those, it's a, it's a hard conversation to have, but a necessary one. Yes. Yeah, to me, sure. you know, a lot of the sexuality of America as a whole, and then specifically Black American, our, our sexuality has been defined by the racism and the uh, racial hierarchy structure. So a lot of what we are told is sexy or acceptable or what we should be pleased by was framed by the plantation. You know, everybody knows cotton, everybody knows sugar and all the other different um, things that we were forced to uh, forced to pick and forced to grow and forced to cultivate here. But the main product that built America to be the wealthiest nation in the world was us. It was our bodies. It was black folk. And there were breeding plantations that forced us to have sex to build this wealth for America. So breeding in order plantations. to breeding plantations, definitely look wow, it up. Virginia was known very much for their breeding plantations because at a certain point, the transatlantic slave trade was outlawed. So you couldn't bring slaves from Africa anymore. So they had to, in order to build the Mississippi Delta, in order to push forward into the West, which is one of the uh, reasons that the Civil War was fought to bring in new states as whether they were going to be free states or slave states. You know, in order to have slaves to work those states that were going to be slave states, they had to have more slaves because we didn't live very long based on the conditions and and how we were treated. So you had to have more. So on these plantations... Young women would be uh, girls, not even young women yet, would be forced to have a certain amount of children. Boys would be forced to father a certain amount of children. 
And if we look at, like, for example, some of the stereotypes about black folk in America, these stereotypes were were created to justify the ways that we were treated or or they were perpetrated afterwards to make it okay for how we were treated also. You know, so like that perception that, you know, black girls have so many kids before they're even women and black boys only are interested in in sex. So like, you know, when they when they say like Emmett Till whistled at a white woman. So we had to snatch him from from his his family's house and brutalize him and murder him and yeah. use him as an example because black boys can't control their their hormones or whatever, you know. Uh men across the world are rapists. Like that that's something that happens, right? It's a terrible thing. It is not something that is racially broken down in this particular way, but white mm. Americans have used that particular perception to strike fear in everybody else and also to justify the brutalization of black men in America. The first what is considered to be the first great American cinema, Birth of a Nation. The Ku Klux Klan are the heroes and the bad guys, so to speak, are free black men who are looking to rape white women. When on the plantation, overseers, mistresses, and masters of those plantations raped black men, women, and children mm, constantly. Yeah. That's why you have so much what, what is considered uh, different breakdowns of black people in America and how we were sold, whether it was mulatto, octoroon, quadroon, to let people know the percentage of, of black and white blood that we had. So on these plantations also, you know, there would be forced orgies. There would be forced what? sex with masters, forced sex with overseers, forced sex with... Uh, roving bands of white men who would show up to be like, okay, this is a, uh, a unruly black male. Mm. So we have to buck break him. So we're going to oh. gang rape him. Right. So all these, all these sexual Fuck. things that were done to us have also framed what we deem to be masculine, what we mm -hmm. deem to be feminine, what we deem to be okay sexually, because then also at the same time, the church was forced on us. So that yeah. we would be obedient. You know, the main things that people were taught was like, you know, be obedient, be good to your master, and then you will also be serving God. It's a whole lot of mind fuckery going on that then as, as a people, there are certain things that we would have to adapt to to survive. And some of those adaptations would be what we deem okay for our own personal space what we're okay with. Oh, it's, I actually have this book right here. It's, it's an, an amazing book. It, it's called The Half Has Never Been Told. I don't know, but um, definitely take a look at it. It does, it does talk a lot about um, the transatlantic slave trade and then the internal slave trade in America and what those breeding plantations did to people. So when we talk about decolonization, um, my partner, Jet Setting Jasmine, and I were actually doing an event in Kenya, and somebody had a flogger made out of kind of like horse horse hair. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that um, in Kenya, 
Some people used it on their kids when their kids would get out of line, but Oof. most people used it <laughs> in their bedroom. And they were also, and, and in Kenya, they were also um, colonized by, by the English. So we, we kind of were, we just were like, well, what was it, what was it like sexually before the English came to Kenya? Because they also are very conservative. And while we were in Kenya, they, they, um, we attended a court hearing where they said that it is not okay to be LGBTQIA, right? Oh, painful to And hear. that's definitely a British thing. Yeah. That's not yeah. that's if you if you go back in the history of of the people of Kenya, mm. you know, they they were saying like it was way more open um polyamory uh mm. was open there was more of a matriarchal uh societies throughout Africa. There were two spirit people in Africa, the same as there were here in in uh, in America, in which you know two spirit people. I guess now people would refer to them as as trans. Uh, there was openly gay. There was openly lesbian. And this isn't to say that everybody there was you know on some rainbow flag stuff, but it was definitely <laughs> yeah. you know way more open for for queer folk in different parts of the world that did not have to deal with like the yeah. Judeo-Christian ideal of of sexuality. And if you look at the history in America, being that it was like a, the puritanical version of Christianity that mm-hmm. was first here, you know, on Plymouth Rock and whatnot, but then also the the people that the English used to be overseers mm-hmm. were usually Scots or or, or Irish who yes. were also mm-hmm. persecuted by the English. So they would be extra harsh on oh. black folk because you were, it's, it's kind of like the same way in India. You know, when when the British ruled India, it's like, OK, we're going to divide, conquer and use a smaller sect of people. Same thing in Kenya to control the larger sect. So that way the people, the larger group hates the smaller group instead of hating the British. Yeah. Right. So it's like the same kind of way that it was done, done here. And yeah. then after after the Revolutionary War, it was still OK. Well, who who are the people that were migrating here from Europe that they could technically call white? But still they treated as lesser. So, Mm. you know, whether it was like Scots, Irish, Slavic people, Italian people who might not have owned slaves, but they were the ones that were either in the direct control of the work or within the community. Because I I tell people, people make, I never owned slaves. Yeah, but your ancestors were in communities Mm -hmm. that owned slaves. So it's not like that slave just stayed on a plantation. They would have that slave come out and if they were a blacksmith, they would come to your house and do blacksmith work. Or Mm. they would be technically rented out to come clean your house or do all this different shit. Or you might be so poor that you just walk past the slave in the street, but that slave still has to get off the sidewalk Mm -hmm. so that your poor white self can still walk on the sidewalk alone, you know, or if something happened, the whole community would go lynch somebody. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. just be the slave master. So all of these things contributed to, for us, closing our sexuality off to being in situations where we might be doing something in a BDSM lane and somebody being like, that's some white people shit. Like, yeah. no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not some any, it's some everybody shit. But mm-hmm. at the same time, 
there's like nothing new under the sun. So you really think that our people have been on this planet for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, and nobody ever spanked an ass before? Like that shit feels good. Somebody definitely did it. Yes. But we have this, like my people have this thing where we're afraid to allow ourselves pleasure because our pleasure has always been a commodity or based on what white folk think our pleasure should be. So that's that's the whole uh, idea of decolonizing what sex is to us, to be able to enjoy something enjoy, and, and find freedom in pleasure and freedom in love and freedom in kinky shit. How do you start that conversation? Like how, how do you start breaking down those beliefs that people do have like intrinsically from the past? It usually comes up at the strangest times <laughs> where somebody might just say something and be like, no, no, that's not that's not accurate. You know, being able to say that. And then unfortunately, there is a lot of pushback right now, whether it be pushback against teaching the true history of America and what's been done to black folk here or teaching the true history and science of sexuality across the entire country right now that or or uh push back against women and and women's right to choose or just women's freedoms in general and it's kind of like all those things are mashed up and and any one of them can pop up at any time because there's a law against that and and actually actually led to being able to have a lot of conversations because there are all these laws that are targeting those three uh, groups that we really need to be able to be free. You know, it's, it's so, I'm sorry. Like I had to breathe right there. It's, it's so yeah. frustrating because every, everywhere you look within America and, and in different places in the world right now, there, there are attacks on women. There are attacks on black folk. There are attacks on a queer community. And some of these attacks are, are very subtle because it's it's like one of those things that the people who are actually pushing that the agenda uh, against us know that there are certain social mores and things in society that have been accepted throughout the years so they can push on that mm-hmm. you know like the the idea I, I look at language to call someone hysterical if you look at the history of the word hysterical it's like something that is specifically about a woman acting crazy, right? So it's like if you had and, and people say, oh, don't don't get caught up in semantics. But language are the ways that we communicate our feelings. Language is the ways that we communicate the ideas and the shit. I don't know if you think in pictures, the pictures in your brain. Right. So if if we have those things into our communication. Right. So when they start talking about like, oh. Just bear with me for a second. Like they talk about like when Hillary Clinton was running for office or when they talk about Kamala Harris being the vice president and they're like, oh, a woman cannot be in charge of the button because of his. She's hysterical. She could be hysterical or her emotions will take over. And like, motherfucker, Donald Trump is the most emotional human being (laughs) and has the least emotional intelligence of any Mm -hmm. human being I've ever seen in power and i'm not even Mm -hmm. talking about like i mean i wasn't alive for nero burning down rome but Mm -hmm. i mean i think it's pretty close right so but there's these perceptions that they know like if i talk about a woman in this way 
then people will be like, oh, yeah, that, that's a good point. Maybe women yeah, shouldn't have the ability to sense. make choices. You yes, know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like the same way they paint black folk. They'll be like, you know, they're violent, even though most of the violence that has had, like, black folk didn't have a Tulsa massacre, a, a race massacre against white people in America. You know what I'm saying? We didn't, the, a black people didn't commit a Rosewood against white people in America, but you can run down all these things. But that's why like someone like DeSantis is like, don't teach that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's not to say that everybody doesn't commit violence, but in America, violence based on race has been violence against black people and people of color. Yeah. So how, with the work that you're doing now, how would you say that relates to decolonizing porn? Well, for one, within within our company, we try to show a full spectrum of gender and sexual expression. One of the things, I, and, and this is like going back to that same conversation, in order to have more black bodies to sell, you have to push very strict man, woman, make baby. And in that case, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then on the plantation, they didn't care how old you were. They just cared that you were fertile, you know? So they had to push that. So being a lesbian or being gay or being bi was an attack on that system, you know? So being okay with that, being able to show, like, there's nothing wrong with being any of those things, you know? There's nothing wrong with loving who you want to love. There's nothing wrong with showing uh, black and brown folk loving one another in a porn, like kissing or like passionate. And like when we first started Royal Fetish Films, we were just looking at the industry as a whole. And we're like, yo, we can't find scenes where it's two black people kissing or it being romantic or it being kinky, but we're not the fetish. Like the fetish would be yes. black cock attacks. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the mm-hmm. kink in the scene. And it's like, no, nah, that's just racist. Attacks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, but, and, and you see it a little bit less mm-hmm. today, but you, you see it in, you still see it and you still see it in different ways. Like, you know, there's still a whole lot of companies out there that are still racially fetishizing people and, and pushing. Yeah, for sure. Really racist shit. Mm-hmm. Out I there rarely to the see masses. a company that doesn't fetishize race. How can we start to help the problem? How can we start to um, make sure that we're going and finding porn in the right areas and not supporting fetishization. Yeah, I think being an educated consumer, I mean, it sounds like way more work than it is, but it's really pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to porn and this, and this goes for whoever you enjoy, if you can find their direct Twitter or interviews like this one and hear the content that they're pushing, or see the tweets that they make, like, go watch this scene. Oh, I really, like, we, people in our industry are just like any other type of artist or performer. We'd be like, yo, this shit right here, this is my shit. I love making (laughs) this one. I had a good time or whatever. And that's, or if you go directly to people's OnlyFans or Mm -hmm. whatever their website is, that's one of the reasons that some of these big companies are kind of like, scrounging right now and scraping because they're noticing like 
because a lot of performers now have their own voice, you can see their personality and you can follow what they're really into. Does OnlyFans affect your your porn company that you have? We have, you know, Royal Fetish XXX, King Noir XXX are our main yeah. sites, but we also have our stuff all over and on different things. Right. OnlyFans is fun for me to be able to show lots of behind the scenes and stuff yeah. like that as well when they're not when they're not flagging me for my fetish content. You know? Oh my goodness, the OnlyFans flagging <laughs> cannot escape. Yo, you can't even say flogging on OnlyFans. And I'm like, that's yes. kind of what I do. Or torture. I mean, I can, I can understand torture. You're not supposed to say torture, sure. But like, I'm like, but, but that's what was happening. How else do you describe it? What would you say in your professional career has been the most interesting fetish or situation you've had to work on? The hardest one for me mm. was I did like a kidnapping session. Oh, tell us more about that, please. Wow. <laughs> and to me, that one, because we had to work with building up our trust first. We had to have multiple sessions prior to because you still want to feel safe and you want to let someone know that they are safe. Yeah. But their their fantasy was like, I just I want to feel like I, I'm captured. So yeah. the whole the whole scenario, like we didn't do some extreme shit where I like hopped out of a 18 van or something like that. But it was <laughs> kind of like yeah. they they went out. I had a access to their space so they wouldn't know when they were coming back, how it would happen, but they knew that it would happen. So that way they were still like, okay, this isn't just going to happen at any random moment in public. You know what I'm saying? But uh, they didn't know how it was going to happen. So I just kind of like set up so that when they came in, some things, I don't want to give away everything, but you know, it was kind of like, they didn't know exactly where I was and how it was going to happen. But then it, it led into a session where it was like extreme bondage and a whole lot of other pleasurable things impact and, and little bit of, little bit of waterboarding and stuff like that. So it was <gasps> oh like very, very extreme. Same. And to me, it was, it was interesting to me because I love to create pleasurable scenarios that, you know, someone can truly let loose and let go. But that is such a extreme example that it's like how how to build this in a way that they also feel safe. They can always end it at any time. You yeah. know, so, you know, if you're if you're restrained and you're gagged, you still have to have ways to communicate your safety words to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we established nonverbal communication, all these other things that was all in place prior to to make them feel fully able to have this fantasy happen. What kind of nonverbal communication could you advise people to do in a situation like that? Sure. If if you are gagged, but you have use of your hands, you can be able to do a tap. If you don't have use of your hands, sometimes we do a stomp. If you don't have use of your hands, feet or mouth, we give somebody something that they can hold on to that if they drop it, we know that that's a, a hard stop right there. Uh, some people will do communications with with eyes, but 
it, to me, I think it's better to be able to have either the tap or the drop because sometimes your eyes do wild shit when you're in pleasure. You know, yes. so if you're like blink twice, but you're up there like <laughs> blinking like crazy, <laughs> like, wait, is that two? Or, you know what I'm saying? So I, I do think um, yeah. those are very good ones to work with if you're if you're unable to to speak or you're restrained in mm. any way. And if if someone was going to start a scene where there might be consensual, non-consensual play, what kind of the basic tips could you give for somebody to create that safe space? Well, I always say start as light as possible. So instead of jumping to like full iron shackles, you might want to start with Velcro. You know, because if at any time you want to just be like, I'm done with this shit, you could just take it off. Because, I mean, part of the whole thing, it's not a role play from one way. It's a both way role play. You're in the scenario of being captured because you want to be. It's not it's not it's consensual. Right. So if you do something light to begin with and you're like, oh, yeah, I can get through this. They didn't do nothing crazy or or they and they listened to my needs and everything that I said that I wanted. So then you build up all the like I look at it like your fetish muscles. You know what I'm saying? You got to work out your fetish muscles and build them up. So then you can graduate to something a little bit more extreme because you know that the person that you're that you're with in that scenario is respecting all of your boundaries. Yeah, that's a really good tip. I've got a really random question. If you're in a place where, it's like asking for a friend, um, where you have kind of lost touch with your kinky side due to like lack of relationship or like being with people that you feel safe with or like just dating and sleeping with people casually in general, like would you have any tips for reconnecting with that kink when you know it's something like deep down that really means a lot to you and would be really beneficial to explore? I can give you a couple. One is we can be kinky with ourselves too. Oh. We can add our kinks and fetishes to our masturbation and self-pleasure also. You know, if you Ooh, if you yeah. like getting spanked, it's okay to spank yourself too. I mean, it, it it's not the same, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it is something, you know, it does still yeah. bring that element into it and also lets us know a little bit like, oh, you know what? I never, I never spanked my chest before. Oh, I actually like that. Next time I'm with somebody else, I'm going to ask them to do that. Right. Because when we're by ourselves, we try all kinds of shit that then we can bring into something partner. Um, look for your local dungeon. Oh, all right, Florence. And see if there's field trips. I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> if 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 you know anybody, friends that be willing to go, you know, a lot of dungeons will have more open nights that aren't just like uh, specific munches for groups and things like that. Um, yeah, just go check it out. Like even if you don't engage in anything and you're just a voyeur, just. Make sure that that dungeon is okay with it and just be like, yo, I just want to be here to watch tonight and I'll see how I feel next time. Because then you might actually get to see some doms or switches or whatever that are topping in a situation that you're like, oh, I kind of like I like their style. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then you can approach them. And I, and I always tell people for anybody, myself included, speak to people that we've worked with, people who've bottomed for us and subs and things like that. And and they'll give you they'll give you the lowdown like. 
king is da 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 da, da or this dom or, or dominatrix is da, da 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 You can look at reviews online and things like that to see if it's somebody you'd be comfortable working with. Um, and also sometimes you go with a friend, you find out your friend is kinkier than you knew, you know, and, and then you have yes. someone who actually is uh, someone that you have some trust and and with already. And you could be like, hey, flog me a little bit. Let's see how I feel. You know? <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah. I always say this and it's not just because I am a professional, but I do truly value what people in my profession do is reach out to a professional. There are folks that will either come to you or meet you at a dungeon or something like that and do what it is you are asking for and nothing more. Mm, And then they are not going to try to linger. They're not going to try and tell you afterwards, like, this is messed up what you did. And I don't want you to do it with anybody (laughs) but me and all the other random shit that people say, you know, um, actually uh, utilizing a professional can also open up new avenues because you can be like, Hey, I really want to, you're an expert in something that I've never tried before. Can we dive into that a little bit or add it on to what we're already doing? I feel like unfortunately we have like run out of time and that is really sad because there were so many other things that we wanted to talk to you about. Maybe we'll just have to get you back on the podcast. I would, I would, I would love to. Before we say goodbye, please tell our curious fuckers where they can find you, where your porn site is, what your OnlyFan is. Just plug the shit out of it. Sure. Uh, RoyalFetishXXX.com, KingNoirXXX.com, OnlyFans at K-I-N-G-N-O-I-R-E. I'm also on Sext Panther, so if you want to text me and do all the phone sex shit with me hit me up on there it's king noir king noir x on instagram at king noir on twitter there are a whole lot of fake me's out there so that you gotta research because there's some fake bots as me out there um it has been amazing having you on on talking about difficult subjects but also really fun sexy subjects too thank you for sharing and yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for sharing me. the education as well because i know mm-hmm. that like it's it's not um easy to talk about those things and we really mm-hmm. really value the education yes i appreciate yeah. it it's tough but necessary absolutely yes. yeah and um yeah thank you for coming on well curious fuckers i hope that you enjoyed that episode what a fucking pleasure oh that was it was so good it was amazing very educational and like things that we really needed to hear and things that i actually didn't know which i feel quite bad about yeah Fuck. I just, I could listen to him all day. It's just, yeah, incredible, fascinating, and definitely check out his content and his work. Really important stuff. So if you love this episode, make sure you share it far and wide. Tell your friends, tell your family, get everyone listening to this. Of course, you can keep up to date with all of our shenanigans at Come Curious, and that's Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, pledge to us at Patreon if you believe in us, and we keep forgetting to add this, but follow Florence and my OnlyFans. That's the best way that you support the podcast, plus you get to see hot, sexy content. Yeah, hot naked bodies, man. Also, make sure you leave a little rating and a review because it really does make a difference in getting more people listening to this podcast and these conversations are important yo and that's it from us so we will see you next thursday bye bye